Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Jesus said in the gospel, he says, I tell you these things before they happen, that when they come to pass, you will know that I am he. It's a purpose in prophecy. It's not just for nothing. It's not just for show. It's not for some guy to be a a spiritual show off. It's got to be doing something for the people that are receiving it, that are hearing it. It's got to be a purpose for it. And so here, there's a clear purpose in the prophecies of Saul's giving him instruction and he'll know as he's going that this is, yeah, this is God moving forth. How do we know that prophecies spoken of in the Bible are true and worth studying? Because the Bible is God's word and is truth. There is nothing in scripture that is to be thrown out In today's teaching, Pastor Bill will unpack the prophecies which Samuel gave to Saul as he encourages listeners to lean into these truths found in Scripture. Perhaps the Lord is wanting to deepen your understanding of His Word today. You will be amazed when you find all that was prophesied and has come to pass. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 10, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Chapter 10 verse 1. So would you guys look at it with me? It says, Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? When you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelza, and they will say to you, The donkeys which you went to look for have been found And now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you, saying, what shall I do about my son? Then you shall go forward from there and come to a terebinth tree at Tabor. Let me stop here. So first of all, last week, you know, Saul had spoken to Samuel. He took him aside. Then he took Samuel aside privately away from his servant and he let him know this is what God's going to do. He anoints him king. Well, this is a private anointing. He'll have a, a public uh, is it an inauguration. Um, is that whatever it's a, I'll make sure I use this, use my big words correctly. You know, so um, he'll have a public uh, thing later. But this one's private. Samuel, the prophet of God, the man of God, pulls Saul aside and he privately anoints him as the next king of Israel. So. It says that he poured oil on his head and he kissed him. And so uh, back then, the, the oil oil was poured over at, as they anointed kings, as they raised up leaders. What's the oil symbolic of? The oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, right? It's just poured upon them. Um, and so the oil itself is, is not kind of like baptism. The oil itself was not a big deal. Uh, the big deal is that God is going to pour out his Holy Spirit upon Saul. We're going to see today that God's going to tell him, I'm going to pour my spirit upon you and you're going to become a new man. Saul's going to become a a brand new person um, when God's spirit comes upon him. And so that's the big deal. The oil itself, Saul would have just been greasy. Right. But it's not the oil is symbolic of what God is going kind of like baptism. Baptism is is symbolic of that inward work that God does as, as we die with Christ and we're raised to life in him. Well, the oil And we'll talk more later in the message about the significance and the power of the person and work of the Holy Spirit in the life of every believer, how important it is that we understand who the Holy Spirit is, that we have a right understanding, that we receive the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And so 
uh, Samuel pours oil on Saul and he told him this. Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? I circled that in my Bible. Samuel is letting Saul know, look, this ain't this is not your inheritance. Right. Israel is not yours. This is God. God has anointed you over his inheritance. So he's letting them know this is a responsibility. You're caring for God's people. Saul, God's God's chosen you to get to care for his people. And we have to be so careful if God should raise you up, if God should give you some place of leadership anywhere. If it could be in your home as a parent, it could be in the church over people, wherever God may raise you up. You got to remember that you don't own anybody. Amen. They're God's people. These are my kids are God's kids. Now they're on loan to me, right? I got a job to do with them, but they're not mine. They're God's kids. And so I got a job to do with my kids. I have a job to do uh, in the ministry here, but here, these, these are, these are my people either. These are God's people. And Samuel was letting Saul know, Hey, this God's inheritance, bro. This is a big deal uh, that you've been chosen by God to care for and to lead, to be the commander over his inheritance, which is what Israel was. Verse two now. Now, pay attention to this. This, this is a lengthy prophecy, but I want to it gives me an opportunity to talk to us about the importance of prophecy and how we judge it and everything else. So Samuel, being a genuine, legitimate prophet of God, is going to tell Saul some very exact, precise Thing. He says, look, this is how you're going to know that this is from God. And he's going to tell them you're going to go here. You're going to meet this person. You're going to see this. They're going to give you that. It's very exacting prophecy. So I want you to be careful of weary of those that prophesy vaguely. Right. If I were to come to guys, God's got a word from the Lord. Somebody here, somebody here has, has been sinning this week. Right. I mean, golly, man, you guys all be like, it's me, Pastor. You know, like it's me, too. You know, the, like who haven't sinned some way? You know, you can just throw a vague prophecy. So, somebody here, somebody here is having a rough week. God has shown me. I mean, what, what are the chances, right, of, of this many people? So you got to be leery of that, because what's the goal of that? The prophecy has to have a purpose. If God is going to speak out, you know, insight or future or whatever. It's always got purpose on it. So Samuel is legitimately prophesying. The purpose will be that Saul will know when he sees the things that Samuel tells him are going to happen. It's going to let Saul, it's going to let Saul know this is from the Lord. It's going to bring confirmation to him. There was a purpose in it. So be leery of the people that got vague, wide open prophecies, things that somebody here is not feeling well. You know, you got 500 people in the building. What if that makes some, we know somebody back hurt, somebody got diseases. We, you know, we, you could just say blanket statements like that. Um, I know that that'd be, bo- that's bogus, you know. Um, a real prophetic word, it, it'll speak to something exacting. And then there's, why? Why is God putting that out there? So moving on, I want you to listen to how exacting this prophecy is. Look at verse, starting at verse two, Samuel is prophesying to Saul about what will happen. He says this. When you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin. So when he leaves, you're not going to find one, two men. They're going to be where? By Rachel's tomb in Benjamin, the territory of Benjamin at Zelza. And they're going to talk to you. They're going to say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. Now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you, saying, what shall I do about my son? So is that very exact? When Saul gets to this area... And the two men come and say, hey, hey, your dad's looking for your dad was looking, you know, the donkeys you're looking for have been found. 
and your dad has now ceased worrying about the donkeys. He's worried about you. Saul would hear that and say, okay, this is exactly what Samuel said was going to happen. Then he's given an instruction. So once, once that happens, Samuel tells Saul in verse three, this is what you need to do. Then you shall go on forward from there and come to the Terebinth tree at Tabor. So after this prophecy comes to pass, I want you to leave and go to the Terebinth tree at Tabor. And now he prophesies again what's going to happen there. He says, there three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you. One of them is going to be carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive from their hands. This is very exact. They have three young goats, not three old billy goats, three young baby goats, you know, carrying three loaves of bread. And then uh, another carrying a skin of wine. When they greet you, they're going to give you two loaves of bread. What are the chances that you walking around and somebody just walk up to you? And say, hey, bro, here's two loaves of bread, man. But but Samuel's telling us all that's what's going to happen. And when it happens, receive those loaves of bread from his hand. Verse five, after you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistines garrison is, And it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets. Now, this is interesting. Saul is going to is told he's going to meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with string instruments, a tambourine, a flute and a harp before them. And they will be prophesying. And he says at that time, then the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. So I want to say there's a lot of important things here, but the first important thing is Samuel is given very exacting prophecies for the purpose of confirmation that when Saul sees these things happen, he's going to know that Samuel has spoken on God's behalf. This is exactly what God said would happen. So he's going to be able to walk in confidence. This is from the Lord. If one thing that Samuel said didn't happen, he could chuck the whole thing. But everything is going to happen exactly as detailed. That's that's the point of prophecy. Jesus said in the Gospels, he says, I tell you these things before they happen, that when they come to pass, you will know that I am he. It's a purpose in prophecy. It's not just for nothing. It's not just for show. It's not for some guy to be a a spiritual show off. It's got to be doing something for the people that are receiving it, that are hearing it. It's got to be a purpose for it. So here there's a clear purpose in the prophecies of Saul's giving him instruction and he'll know as he's going that this is yeah this is God moving forward. So um, a, a few words on these prophets. There's a group of prophets coming down, and you notice that they're worshiping. They got instruments. They got this. It looks like a worship team, right? A bunch. Of, look, it sounds like a young guy. It looks like a young band of guys. But they got a tambourine. They got string instruments. They you know they they didn't have guitars. Whatever the string instruments back then, they're coming down with their string instruments, their tambourines, their flutes. And they're prophesying. These guys have been, you just get the impression that these guys have been worshiping. They've been getting it in. They're coming down full of the Lord and they're prophesying. Now, prophesying doesn't always necessarily mean foretelling the future. So um, if you're writing notes, you could write down uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. It says there, he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Uh, so people may speak to God under the inspiration. They may speak for God or to the Lord under the inspiration of the spirit. But that's what's happening here. These guys are coming down. They're prophesying. 
I would look and say, man, it appears that the, the Holy Spirit is on these guys. Doesn't say that. So let me explain something about the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Do you guys know that it's different? Old and new. Okay, so in the New Testament, as soon as you get saved, who comes to live inside you? He comes to dwell inside. The moment you get saved, Holy Spirit joins your party. He moves in on board. He begins to go to work inside, from the inside out, convicting us of sin, leading us into all truth. You know, God's on board every believer. In the Old Testament, not the case. In the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit on board. God would, as he chose, God would say, I'm going to put my Holy Spirit upon this person for this act of service. And the Holy Spirit can be given and taken away. If you're a believer and the Holy Spirit dwells in you, can he be taken away? No. No, you got to deal with that. He's there. He ain't leaving either. So you can resist him. You can quench him. You can yield to him. You can submit to him. You can be filled with him. You can be overflowing with the Holy Spirit, but you're not getting rid of him. If you got born again, the Holy Spirit moved in. He's on board. Now you got to rock with it. So that's how come when you get saved, if you try to go back and do what you used to could do, it's not the same. Because the Holy Spirit's on board saying, no, nah, I don't like this no more. Are you going to feel some kind of way about this? I'm going to convict you on the way there. I'm going to convict you while you're doing it afterwards. You're going to feel like trash. You're not going to enjoy this. Here's what the Holy Spirit does. If, if you've ever heard the word sanctification, right? The Holy Spirit will get you to the point where you feel about your sin the way God does. Because we don't naturally hate our sin. We like it, right? That's why we do it. So take me before Christ and whatever my list of sins were. I'm not going to expose myself here tonight, but I have my list of things I would do. And I enjoyed them. I wasn't bothered by them. I didn't feel convicted when I did them. That's just what I was doing. Boom, I get saved. God moves in. Now, I remember trying to go back and do certain things and wasn't the same. Um, I, I used to rap when I wasn't saved. Some of y'all don't know this, but uh, your boy got bars. So used to rap. And it was a guy when I was at Dominguez Hills. It was a group of guys up there. We, we were rapping. We, were, you know, we had our little group. We were doing some stuff. So I got saved and all that fell off. And one of my buddies had went to the military. And while he was gone to the military, I got saved. So in a short time, I got saved. I quit drinking, moved out, with no longer living with a girl. My whole life had went foom, right side up, going to church, having drank in months. You know, no, God is cleaning up my language. I don't cuss like I used to cuss. And so my buddy came back from the military. And he came over to my dad's house. And he was like, so, you know, he doesn't know anything yet. He's like, oh, what's up, man? And he, he pulls up with the beat on. And so he, he starts saying part of the song. And it just, I just, I wasn't, I was so immature in the Lord. I didn't know how to say, well, I don't do that no more. So I just went with it. And here I'm saying stuff. But you know what? I felt dirty. I was, I was saying the words of the, but I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. No, it's, uh, and, and, and I just knew like, man, I'm, I'm not the same guy. Like I, I don't. I was a year ago. I would have been fun. It'd been like a reunion today. I feel like trash just because I let those words come out. That's what the Holy Spirit. He just he'll bring conviction. He'll bring it'll 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 cause the transformation that God brings to be real. It's not outside. Right. God's not outside saying change by your own strength. He moves in and you're like, I don't want that no more. God, help me to change that. Lord, forgive me for it and help me to stop it. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So that's what happens in the life of the believer. But let's roll back the tape for the Old Testament saints. They didn't have that. When they decided to follow Jehovah and obey the Lord, they did it. They, they, they had to obey and keep commands and, as best they could in their own power. God would pour his spirit out on individuals for times of service or, or, or for, for special service to him. But it wasn't a guarantee. It wasn't something you can keep um, in the Psalms. David prayed, 
Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Why? Because he knew it could be taken. He was like, please don't take it away, Lord. Please, 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 you know, do not take the Holy Spirit away from me. And so we don't, we don't, we don't, New Testament, you don't have anybody praying that God would not take the Holy Spirit away. He can't be taken away. He's, um, we can resist him, we can grieve him, or we can submit to him and yield to him. And so here, these men are coming down. And um, I just love the fact that, that the work of the spirit of prophecy is, I see it here in concert with music. And I'm, I'll presume that this is some kind of worship. They're coming from the high place. They're coming from worshiping the Lord. Don't miss that. I, I do believe that praise and worship is important to the Lord. You know, some people want to, you know, if you guys look at all kind of religions, you'll see that Christianity is, is, is more musical than other religions, right? It's, uh, well, as you go through, it's like that God likes it. Everywhere where God's ever been in heaven, there was music. You know, the Bible says about Satan that he had trembles and pipes in his being before he got booted. So when he was still working with the Lord, he was up there glorifying the Lord. We, we have we have worship going forth in heaven. Every institution God created, music was a part of it. The priesthood they had music. He had people that their job, their full time, your job and service to the Lord is we got singers and musicians that God had. God had blessed them with skill just for that. That was a part of the Old Testament Carry it all the way to the new, get all the way to Revelation and you get to heaven. And what do you see in heaven? Worship. Nonstop, right? God created angels, these beings. And you look, what are they doing in heaven? It says all day long, 24-7, nonstop. They're saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. They're just, they're worshiping the Lord. And so the Bible tells us that he inhabits the praises of his people. Um, so if you if you got a spiritually dry life or environment or atmosphere, uh, I encourage you, find you some worship, find you some praise that you can you can just praise the Lord. There's something supernatural about praise and praise is unique to the church. So be careful about knowing, you know, all the songs that everybody else can sing. Know you some songs that are just for you. You know, the songs that we sing as believers, when I when I talk about redemption or being saved or God's mercy, that's just for me. That's not true for everybody else. Um, the song of the saints should uh, should be different. So moving on, it says now. So he's he's told he's gonna he's gonna meet these guys coming down, and in verse seven he's given an instruction. What do you do when you see these guys? He says, and it will be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. You shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you and offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you must do this is also important you got Saul that's been anointed already privately as the king you guys agree that the king is a big deal but I want you to know this king has got to be submitted to God's prophet Samuel is the man of God he's God's spokesman he's been that for some time and even though Saul has been anointed Saul tells Samuel wait here you wait till I come and I'll show you what you need to do. And it'll, this is important, right? This isn't just for nothing. This is important because Saul as the king is going to need to be submitted to the man. that This is the man that God is speaking through, has been speaking through. Remember, as we look at the Old Testament, they didn't have the 66 books of the Bible like we have. And so God would speak through. He would have a prophet. God would have a spokesman. God would have someone that would that would declare his word to people that he would speak to and they would speak on his behalf. Samuel was that guy. And so Saul was going to need to be submitted to him. We'll see as we follow Saul's life that when Saul starts to get raggedy, 
He doesn't like Samuel. You know, when you're doing good with the Lord, you like God's spokesman. You like God's word. You, you, oh, I want to hear Bible say. I want to I'm going to read the word. I'm going to listen to Bible studies in the car. When you when you're walking with the Lord it's feeding your soul. But when you're doing raggedy, when you're not living right, that same word to get on your nerves. I don't want to hear that. You always got something. To say. You always judging me. <laughs> you, you'll be feeling a whole different way. It has everything to do with how you're living. Uh, I've had people that loved me and then hated me. And the only thing that changed is how they was living. Right. I was saying the same thing the whole time. They loved me. Then they hated me. And, you know, like I don't get to change up the message. I didn't write the book. I'm just I'm just conveying the message. I don't get to rewrite it. I don't get to remix it. I got to say it how it's said. And so, you know, be careful of that. Right. Because that's a trend we see in Scripture, too, that there are people that when they were doing right with the Lord, they were receptive and listening and obedient and submitted to God's word. One of the signs that we're not in a good place with the Lord is we begin to resist. Not just God's word, but then those that represent the Lord to us, those that are speaking on God's behalf for children. It might be your parents. If you're not doing well, it's your parents that are the ones that are leading you to the Lord and speaking to you spiritual things. And when you're not doing right, it's like, I don't, they get on your nerves. You don't want to hear it. Whoever those people may be, whatever, whoever the authorities may be in your life, check. We should all check ourselves in that. What's my attitude toward the word of God? How do I respond when God is speaking? Am I yielded to the Lord? Do I am I excited to be spoken to by God or is it a fearful thing for me because I don't want to hear it because I know I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Uh, We could all evaluate that for ourselves. At this point, though, Saul is okay, right? Samuel is speaking to him. He's told to wait so that Samuel would come back and show him what he must do. Now, look at verse nine. It says, so it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, that God gave him another heart and all those signs came to pass that day. Mark that, right? All those things that Samuel said, exactly what he said, they came to pass that day. But here it says that God gave him another heart. So I want to bring up a little controversy in the book, and I don't have an answer for you for this. Some people argue that Saul was not saved. Some people say Saul was saved. I'm going to tell you that there's variables here that it's hard to make the call. I'm glad I'm not the one that has to make the call. God is the one that decides who is and who isn't. Here's why people say what they say. As we see Samuel at this point right here, presume that he's a believer. Nothing ever said he believes or he walks with God. God chose him. God put his spirit on him. God chose him to be king. God's going to use him for a time. At a point in Samuel's life, he's going to take, I'm sorry, at a point in Saul's life, he's going to turn left. And he's going to go down a path of rebellion against the Lord. Um, he's going to spend years of his life trying to murder King David unsuccessfully. He's going to rebel against the Lord so hard toward the end of his life. God refuses to speak to him. And so because he can't hear from God, he goes to a witch and, and to conjure up the spirit of Samuel so he can hear from God. And all he gets out of that encounter is told that he's going to die. Um, but when he's told he's going to die. Now, this is the, the controversial. He's told the spirit that was conjured up says you're going to go to the place of the dead. So in, in telling him that it's not it's not clear. Is, is it saying that you're going to be dead because that's he was going to die for sure? Or you're going to actually be where someone else that we know was a believer went. You know, you're going to be where, you know, where Samuel is who died, you know, and, and obviously Samuel died in faith. Or you're just going to be dead where Samuel is. And so here's the thing with that. Right. You don't want to live your life in such a way that at your funeral, there's a question mark. Saul leaves a question mark, you know, if he is in heaven, it's by the grace of God only because he was an absolute mess up for the majority of of the years. 
And, and again, it's, it's not for us to really decide. We're going to look at his life and see what he did. Uh, we're going to see the fruit of walking in rebellion and how it messed up his relationship with the Lord. Not necessarily, you know, something that we need to figure out where he went. We can look at the fruit of not walking and know that we don't want to do that. You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. First Samuel is where we've been reading, and there's so much to take away from this book. Did you realize that many of the Psalms were written during the time that these events were happening? For much of this book, David was running from Saul. Wouldn't it be strange to be an arch enemy of your best friend's dad? Even though you didn't do anything deserving of death, you feel like a fugitive. And somehow, you found yourself in this situation where you're running for your life. This was much of David's existence in the book of 1 Samuel. He was doing great things, but King Saul was jealous of him and felt threatened by him. So he wanted to remove David completely from the upcoming kingship of Israel. Do you feel like you're on the run, undeserving of the circumstances you're in? Or are you on the other side, feeling jealous and insecure about another person, looking for their downfall? In either case, these two men needed God's help. One chose to rely on God, and the other turned away. Which direction will you choose? If you like the message you just heard, we're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If this interests you, you can find the Give tab on our website. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Thanks for listening today to A Transforming Word.